This Future Construct podcast episode is supported by Applied Software. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. So visit asti.com, it's A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Future Construct podcast. I'm your host, Amy Peck. I am so excited for today's guest. She is a globally known futurist and the founder of the Futures Intelligence Group, Kathy Hackle. Welcome. Thanks, Amy. Glad to be here. So, Kathy, you are probably the busiest person I know. So, A, I'm thrilled that you were able to join us today. But tell us, you know, A, what, what is being a futurist? And then B, tell us about your new company. Yeah, so, um, you know, I am a professionally trained futurist. Uh, and I, I, like you mentioned, I have the Futures Intelligence Group, where we do futurist research and consulting. Um, so the easiest way to explain what a futurist does is we trade in uncertainty, um, so what I mean by this is, for example, we look at all the weak signals and all the trends and try to put two together and not only make sense of the trends and the signals, but think about second and third order effects of how things change. And in doing so, we help companies think through, you know, potential futures that lay ahead. There's not just one future. Um, I think it's really important to explain this. Like futures don't predict the future. We, you know, we try to prepare people for potential futures. You know, no one really knows what's going to happen. I mean, there's algorithms that are getting better at predicting things, right? But there's so many different things that could happen. So it's about thinking about the potential futures that lay ahead, what's plausible, what's possible, and thinking through those. So asking what if, I think, is a basic question of being a futurist. So that's really interesting. And I'm glad you brought that up um, because, uh, you know, even when we were talking, you know, before getting started today, I, I like the fact that you kind of clarified different futures because, you know, to your point, of course, there are many different outcomes and possibilities and there's future of tech, there's sort of future of industry. So what are some of the trends that you are seeing? I mean, you, you also have deep expertise in, you know, XR, AR, VR, um, MR, all of the R's. Uh, and so what are some of the trends that you're seeing in really, you know, all of the technologies? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because I'm a tech futurist because exactly like you mentioned, I have deep expertise in, in you know in emerging technologies. But when you do strategic foresight, which is what futurists do, um, you have to look at multiple parts. It's called steep. So you look at society, tech, environmental, economical, political, culture. You look at all the different things and try to make sense. It's you know because things don't happen in isolation, right? <laughs> um, so it's thinking through all of those. So for me, currently, some of the things that I'm exploring right now uh, that I find quite interesting um, are multiple things. It's what I call the direct to avatar economy. So it is the idea that we, you know, that that virtual economies and virtual goods, like in-game sales, for example, if someone's a gamer and they buy things in-game or things like that, that's a huge um, economy that's starting to kind of pick up. And you have, you know, obviously, you know, blockchain. So NFTs, huge thing right now that's related to the direct to avatar economy. Um, I believe the, the latest statistic that I read that really spoke volume to me, volumes to me was that the virtual goods economy is going to be worth $400 billion by 2025, right? So those numbers are really interesting to look at. You have NFTs breaking records. Um, 
you know, front and back right now, you know, million dollar drops, $3 million, $3 million drops and the NBA top shot. I mean, just things like that. So, and it's all related to this direct to avatar economy uh, and the economy and the, you know, how we will finance and how we will do commerce in these virtual spaces, which you and I know in, in some way is linked very much to the metaverse, right? The mm-hmm. idea of the metaverse. So I explored direct to avatar. I explore a lot of things related to the metaverse, actually thinkers 50, um, they're considered the Oscars of thinking management, of management thinking. Uh, name me or coin me the CEO's guide to the metaverse. So those are places that I'm spending a lot of time uh, in right now, thinking through and working with clients. That's exciting. And just for for um, the edification of our listeners, so non-fungible tokens, can you just explain mm-hmm. NFTs uh, just in case people don't know? Yeah, so non-fungible tokens, NFTs, like you mentioned, uh, one of the easiest ways to explain is that if I have a dollar and I give you a dollar, that dollar is worth the same, right? Um, It's worth the same anywhere. It's a dollar. But if I have a Babe Ruth trading card from a certain year and you have a Babe Ruth trading card from a certain year, even if we exchange, they don't have the same value because they could be certain different years. They could be in different qualities. They could be different serial numbers. So that what, that's what it means when it's non-fungible is that one doesn't equal one to one. It's not an equal value. Uh, another thing is that non-fungible tokens are traceable. So you know who's the specific owner of something. And because they're on the blockchain, there's a level of transparency as well. Um, so that's a very, like very basic level explanation of what an NFT is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just for people that might not understand or that are hearing the words and don't totally uh, wrap their heads around it. I think uh, I think we're all getting admired in the uh, you know kind of new vernacular. So at first there was this confusion around AR, VR, MR, XR, and now we have you know all of this new you know with every emerging tech there there are a lot of acronyms. So I just wanted to make sure that that we covered that one. And so you know I I, I also have been reading your work on Forbes and. I have to tell you, there your your take on on the way you report XR is so fascinating, and you really found these interesting lanes to discuss. Um, so, so what are some of the exciting things that you're seeing in the XR space that maybe you, if it hasn't been released yet, then don't share. But you know, maybe some of the, the your more recent articles. Yeah. So you know, it was really interesting because for me, Forbes has been this exploratory kind of place uh, to share ideas and explore themes and topics. Um, and someone said the other the other day to me, like, I see you everywhere. And I said, well, the thing is like some people paint and some people sing or compose music. Like I express my my creativity and my creative outlet is through writing and through through really taking these mind-melding ideas and really exploring them. So that's, you know, if you see me everywhere, that's why this is my creative outlet. Um, so, you know, I wrote a, a really interesting article. Um, it was, I think it was July of last year. It was called The Metaverse is Coming and It's a Very Big Deal. Um, and I think that that's been a very successful piece that's spoken to a lot of people to try to explain what the metaverse is, um, you know, because this is really the metaverse is, oh my gosh, it's like a convergence of what you and I have been working on in the VRR space for years, but also artificial intelligence and now NFTs and all these different things kind of coming together in one place, uh, you know, gaming and there's so many things coming. So what I would say to people is what the metaverse is, because that's always the question, right? You know, when it comes to trends, like, what am I seeing? So what is the metaverse? Um, you know, I think we're still defining what the metaverse is, but the easiest way I explain to people is when the world becomes machine readable, searchable, 
likable, clickable sort of way. And it could be a virtual world in a fully simulated virtual space, or it could be our real world with digital content put in front of us. So the metaverse is kind of a very broad term. Um, I was very lucky to be able to work in Magic Leap uh, for a few years. And our futurist was actually Neil Stevenson, uh, who, you know, <laughs> who I believe is the person that coined the term metaverse. Um, so, you know, really thinking through how we interact with the virtual world in our in our virtual representations of ourselves in, in virtual spaces as well. So it's, it's a kind of a, a really interesting topic of discussion because people, I think, over-index and always think Ready Player One, right? Or they, they tend to go to the Oasis without thinking through, you know, what does the world look like when I have augmented reality glasses? So speaking of that, those are, you know, imminently coming. Uh, Apple, Facebook, you know, Google bought uh, Focals by North. So what, what, how do you think that will really sort of change the way we think about, you know, AR and how do we move from, you know, mobile AR, you know, to these wearables? Well, I think, you know, um, Apple had done some announcements about, I think they're called Apple AR clips, uh, Apple clips, I think. And then there are these little round QR codes that are kind of funny looking. And I think we're going to start to see them pop up more places. And that's one way of priming the market. Um, to understand, like, putting your camera at something and something will happen, right? So it's that kind of idea of thinking QR codes and, you know, in this immediate situation where something pops up in front of you. Um, so I think that's one way that, you know, brands like Apple are <laughs> priming the market for that. Um, you know, I think it, this is this is where I, where I kind of really think through it. And I'm like, right now, you know, I'm talking to you on a computer, which is a flat screen. I've got my phone, which is my lifeline in some ways, right? Um, but we're living in these little square flat boxes, right? And once we move into glasses, if you look at absolutely everything around you, it has volume, it is 3D, it has dimension, right? Um, so to borrow, borrow a quote from our friend Tom Everett, he says, we are 3D beings in the 3D world, right? So I think our content should be 3D. Um, that's where I think when we move to glasses, um, and I always see these you know, representations of what that future could look like. And it's usually flat screens in front of us. Like, do we really want to see flat screens in front of us if the world is the canvas? Um, I think that that's where things are going to get interesting. And the content um, evolves and becomes more 3D, 360. It has volume. Um, you know, Amy, and one of the things I we can definitely talk about is uh, volumetric video, which I'm very bullish on as well. This episode of the Future Construct podcast is supported by the amazing team at Applied Software. They have solutions for any modern project. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with their real world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive suite of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing with a singular focus to help you achieve higher performance. So with software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered for all of your workflow needs. BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So visit their website at asti.com, that's A-S-T-I.com. And don't forget to tell them that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Oh, so let's, let's, let's go right into that. That's a perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> so what yeah. explain to everyone what volumetric video is and how it differs from traditional video and then mm -hmm. some of the trends you're seeing in that world. Yeah, so volumetric, I mean, let's start with 2D video, right? 2D video is flat, there's, you know, there's pans and tilts and zooms and all that sort of thing. 
volumetric video is video that has volume, right? You're able to engage with that video through different angles, moving around that video. So people always think volumetric video, they equate it to hologram. So that's okay. Let's go there. You know, so think Princess Leia, right? <laughs> We're not there yet with being able to see a hologram without, um, without a device. Uh, right now you have to see volumetric video, let's say through a phone or an iPad or, you know, a head-mounted display. Um, but that's kind of where we're going, where it's actual, you know, actual volumetric scans of humans, of people doing things, whether it is acting, dancing, um, you know, speaking, doing all sorts of things. And, and that's where I think it gets really interesting. And um, someone asked me the other day, why, do, why am I so bullish on volumetric video? And I said, look, when we move to glasses, like I mentioned, I'm going to want content in front of me that is volumetric. Why would I want my content to be flat if it's in my reality? Just like I see the world, I'm going to want to see those digital objects have volume. Um, that's one part. And then another really important part of the work that you and I have been doing and all of, all of our colleagues in the industry is that I believe we are all working on working, we're, we're all working on creating the printing press of the future, right? With these, with VR and AR and volumetric video. And that's where I get really excited thinking about the possibilities in the future, you know, when, you know, we'll still have books, but what does, you know, what do stories look like in the future? You know, they'll probably be volumetric. It'll probably be some type of volumetric video or holographic 3D asset. Um, so I think that that's where it gets truly, truly exciting. So I think that that really touches on a lot of trends we've been seeing too around, you know, we saw Travis Scott in, in Fortnite. Um, uh, the weekend in TikTok and this sort of, you know, blending of gaming worlds, which are already 3D and entertainment. So do you see volumetric video kind of being an extension of that and enabling us those more kind of personalized experiences with whether it be sporting figures or entertainment figures or our favorite, you know, musicians or bands? Yeah, I think it's the next step. I mean, there's, to me, the closest thing you can get to a to human is a scan of a human <laughs> that looks like the human, that has certain nuances, that, you know, has volume. That, to me, in honesty, is like the most human type of technology because it is a scan of a real person. Um, you know, so I'm, you know, from a video and gaming perspective, I think that that's where we're going to be going in some ways, right? We're going to choose between being our are more virtualized selves. Like, you know, how genies has 3D avatars, they're beautiful. So we'll choose between being more, you know, the more avatar cartoony looking sorts of representations to actually being ourselves. Um, so there's gonna be kind of a, 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 we're kind of gonna kind of ebb and flow between both of those. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot to think through there. Um, one thing that I'm also excited about from a volumetric capture um, part, of the, part of the industry is thinking through how we can use volumetric video to, to train um, machine learning, right? Right now, you, if, you're, if you're training, um, you know, if you're training an algorithm um, to, to understand different data sets, and it's, you know, pictures of cats or pictures of people, but those are flat, right? Those are flat. There's certain nuances that they don't get. But if you train, train it with actual volumetric assets that have volume, that have nuances about skin tone, that have nuances about faces and noses and, you know, and eyes and hair, like everything, I think that's so incredibly powerful. And we're starting to see a lot of interest at Avatar Dimension on using volumetric capture data sets to train, uh, to train, to do machine learning. So, um, yeah, very excited about that because that could help reduce bias. Uh, and that's obviously a big issue when it comes to, uh, to data sets. 
And so you said something that I think is really interesting and something that we often forget and that there's so much fear around technology, mm-hmm. but you mentioned that, you know, you think the next best, most human experience is, you know, biometric being with a, a virtual human, um, you know, representative of ourselves. And so, you know, how do you see communication evolving and how, and social media and how we interact with one another in this digital landscape? I mean, I'm excited. I think it's really funny because when I have these conversations, I'll have people talk and and say VR is very isolating. And I'm like, not really. I mean, if you're doing it by yourself, yes. But, you know, a lot of us that do spend quite a good time in social VR, we have great times. It's been a lifesaver to be able to go in there in Outspace, in Horizon, in Spatial and kind of have these meetings and these conversations and feel like I'm there with my friends. Um, So, so, you know, I, I think We'll, we'll start using these technologies, interacting with them. Um, we'll also in some way, and this is kind of where I'm going with this, is kind of what I call business to robot to consumer. So is what does Alexa, and I'm sorry if I woke her up, what does our virtual assistant uh, look like in the future? Right now it's a gadget on, you know, in, in my case, in my kitchen counter, right? Um, but what does that look like in the future? And I think that you know, we as humans tend to react really positively to things that are, you know, more human looking, let's say without, you know, you get to, to the uncanny valley, there's issues there, of course, but we tend to react a little bit, um, you know, more to to that type of embodiment. And I think that in some ways, that's where that's where it's going. Um, if anyone saw the Amazon commercial during the Super Bowl, <laughs> where, where the uh, Amazon's virtual assistant uh, was actually embodied by uh, Michael B. Jordan, um, that was a really interesting, interesting representation of the embodiment of virtual assistant. So I'm not saying it's going to be Michael B. Jordan, but I think, you know, <laughs> it'll be interesting to think about what the virtual assistants look like in the future and not just virtual assistants, but, you know, um, friends, colleagues. I mean, it, it'll be it'll be quite interesting to kind of think through that in, in, in the future and how it works. Yeah, it might be interesting to be able to sort of, you know, reskin your virtual assistant to be, you know, whomever you'd like. That <laughs> to be. I sort of like that idea. <laughs> well, I'm down for Michael B. Jordan any day. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, going back to the, the metaverse, you know, there's so much confusion about it. And, you know, to your point, the last thing I'd like to go in and see is banner ads. You know? like, yeah. Please make those go away. Um, but how will... Uh, just sort of our everyday lives and, and for example, like advertising and, and mm-hmm. marketing happen in this 3D realm? Do you see sort of a different construct emerging? I do. And you can see it in gaming already. Like how do brands enter gaming spaces, right? Is it a full on in your face ad? No, it's usually some type of partnership where, you know, Louis Vuitton uh, releases certain skins or outfits or, you know, um, or accessories in League of Legends or uh, there's just so many things. Or for example, the little Nas X concert in Roblox, you could buy his skin, you could write, you could buy an avatar of him and they made a lot of money during that concert. Um, So, so yeah, I think it's going to be a process. It's going to be organic. Um, I think the brands that, you know, in, in, in full honesty, like I work with brands trying to enter that space. Uh, brands and businesses that are trying to figure out how do they enter the metaverse and the virtual goods and the NFT world. That's kind of what I'm doing right now with a lot of my consulting clients is, you know, how what are the ways you can start entering these spaces that make sense? 
Um, so right now it's a lot of partnerships, a lot of talking to, you know, different uh, video game studios or different companies and trying to figure out what is the smart way to get in and dip your toes. What is an experiment you can do, but also how do you get created full on, um, you know, uh, a full on uh, strategy for it. So, so yeah, I think it'll, it'll, it has to be organic. It has to be done in a smart way. Um, especially with younger consumers. I think they're so, so um, savvy that they know, they know when an ad's been put in front of them. Like my kids, my, my kids don't watch ads normally because they're, you know, Hulu or Netflix or Disney plus. Right. So whenever we watch something that does have an ad, they'll be like, oh, wow, mom, that's an ad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, oh, yeah, they're so surprised by it. Um, but then after a while, we're like, oh, mom, can you just fast forward that? Like, I'm, I just want to get to my show. So that's the same thing that's happening and the brands need to understand when entering this metaverse. It's yeah, these these younger consumers, they're they're on to you. The, the idea of Madison Avenue, as we know, it is slowly uh, changing. I'm not going to say it's dying, but it's slowly changing and it's going to be it's going to have to adapt. Oh, good. Well, I'm, I have to say personally, because I know you very well. Um, I'm very happy you're at the helm of these things because then we know we're not going to be fed sort of spoon fed things that we don't necessarily want to see. And it'll be kind of in context to what we're actually doing and what we care about. So yeah. uh, if you're a brand, please, uh, you know, call Kathy. <laughs> Help us all I, I'm going to say I'm having a lot of fun, fun, Amy, like working on some of the projects I'm doing. I'm having oh, so much fun. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I am very pleased. And so this, this brings me to our, to our last question. It's a question I ask everyone. Um, I, I bet you're one of the few people that already has this devised, but you know, if you could project yourself 25 years in the future and you could kind of create your favorite, you know, thing or gadget that you use every day that, you know, does not, does not have to be rooted in, in reality at all. What would it be and what would it do? <laughs> so I have to always default to my children. Um, so my children are my best window into the future. I have three kids under 10. And um, I had asked my daughter the other day, she's a little mini master chef. And, and I asked her and I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, mommy, I want to be a lunar food scientist. I said, okay, a lot of food scientists, a lunar food scientist. I'm like, okay, great. Um, so being that I am a mom and I am a Latina mom, uh, I'm going to want to devise some type of space elevator <laughs> so I can go see my daughter <laughs> in her lunar food scientist lab restaurant whatever that is whenever I want uh, or be able to call her very easily um yeah and bug her every day so yeah it's a, some type of space elevator or you know I, like I don't know what else it would be called but some way to pop up into her kitchen every day and check in on her when she's on the moon that's great I don't know if my kids would want me to check in every day but you know maybe once a month I'm sure she's not gonna be happy about it but I'm a Latina mom it's <laughs> it gonna doesn't matter period. it's okay it's okay <laughs> it's, I think that's she might good. not answer but I'm gonna do it every day <laughs> so well you're you're everywhere you're not hard to find but I highly recommend following Kathy on Forbes uh, you've recently done some great work on Clubhouse you're on Twitter you're all over uh, so for those of you listening uh, follow Kathy if you want to understand the future and the future is better. Kathy, absolute pleasure having you today. Thanks, Amy. I had a blast. <laughs>